0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Product-Led Podcast. My name is Wes Bush, author of the book on Product-Led Growth. And I have Ramley, my co-host, and Francois, who is the Head of Growth at Deputy. And so today, we're going to be talking a lot about the first seven minutes of your onboarding experience. And so... Earlier, I was talking to Francois, and we had this incredible discussion just about how his team spends an insane amount of time and resources really just optimizing this first seven minutes of the onboarding experience. And so we had to have him on the podcast really just hear around some of the reasons of why they're doing this, why they're focusing so much on this first seven minutes, and how they're doing it. What are they doing in that first seven minutes to really improve this experience? But Before we dive into this, I really just want to take a step back and ask him, like, can you share your story of how you became the head of growth at Deputy?
1: Great, great introduction. Thanks, Wes. (laughs) Uh, Man, that's a long story. So I'm originally from France. And when I was 21, so maybe 30, 30 years ago, I was an exchange student in New Zealand. And then when I was in New Zealand, I wanted to stay. And so did an internship in a web design company. And then they say, if you want to come back after your master's, you know, we'll sponsor you. So they sponsored me. I came back to New Zealand and worked for them. Six months later, the company got acquired. And then the CEO at the time, the head of sales and myself, I was 23 at the time, uh, decided to create our own SaaS company. And then we made the classic mistake of, hey, we're in love with a product, not with a problem we're trying to solve. Let's build a product. So we did Pocketsmiths. So I've done that for about three and a half years and then exited it, sold my shares back to the original founder, worked for an agency for a couple of years doing online marketing. And then I got the opportunity to work for Venn, which is a SaaS company from New Zealand that grew very, very quickly. So I spent about five years there. The company grew from 2.5 million revenue a year to about 30. Uh, So quite an exponential growth. We hired a lot of people. And end up becoming, you know, CMO of the organization, which was really good. Team of twenty-two doing all of the online marketing, and then the frustration of mine was like it was really hard to touch anything related to product, and so I got really interested in growth. What can we do to extend, you know, the marketing capabilities around product? And so I decided to work in growth, start effectively being head of growth at zero for about nine months uh, as, as a giant experiment. And then the CEO of Deputy is someone that I've known for quite some time who really admired the marketing we did back at Vans. And so he was always keen to hire me as CMO and the timing never really worked. But then one day he's like, hey, I've got a role for you. It's head of growth reporting to me. You have freedom, you have a team, you have resources. We're just raising a bunch of money, just go hard. And so I took the job about a year and a half ago, a bit more. And yeah, I've been a Deputy since then. And I guess just for those
0: that are listening, who are like, "What the hell is Deputy?" Want to just give us like the <laughs> high level overview of what it is?
1: Yeah. So, so Deputy is a SaaS company, and we do employee management. So it's an employee management system where effectively you can schedule your employees, you can manage timesheets, uh, you know, leave approval, uh, but also for legal compliance, make sure your employees have enough breaks, you know, when they do opening and closing. It's complying to the law. So we've been growing really, really fast. There's now about 850,000 active users and about 200,000 locations around the world using Deputy. And last year, we raised $81 million from IVP and OpenView. So we're part of the OpenView ecosystem. I think that you know really well. And yeah, that's kind of Deputy in a nutshell. And we've been growing very, very fast since...
0: Let's talk a little bit about onboarding, Francois. You know, West already talked a little bit about this, about the first seven minutes. I'm really curious, how did you get to that magic number, seven minutes, or is it through experimentation or you had some data to really back that up?
1: To really back that up. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So one story that's quite interesting there before I answer that question is when I was at Venn, we were, as marketing people, we are responsible for generating demand, you know. So we we actually got about 6,000 trial a month and about, Five to 6,000 content download a month, you know. So we build a, a pretty sizable thing, you know. But then once they land in the software or on iPad on the app, the experience they had back in the days was pretty shit. And I was always trying to battle so hard with product to say, why are we not doing anything around onboarding? It's so obvious, but there was no squad dedicated to it ever. And so you looked at the stats and then you look at like, well, it costs you $150 to generate a trial. And then, you know, half of those people are not going to even go past like that first experience. Even worse, 60% of those people will not have a second session, right? Meaning that you spend all of that money, they come and more than half of them never come back, right? So that was kind of the premise that really got me to, hey, we need to really own this if you want to sort of like increase the unit economics. And so at Deputy, when I came in and I came in with Jordan, who's a product guy, one of the best product guys I've ever worked with. I've worked with him across three companies. And so both of us, effectively, when we came at Deputy, there was already a very small growth team called Goldmine. And their goal was to... Kind of look at that onboarding piece in a way and look at the things that they can do around trial to paid conversion rate. And so when we came in, one of the things that we wanted to do is like, okay, what has been done? What hasn't been done? And then what is the data around it? You know, are we doing even tracking? How many sessions? What's the behavior? You know, like what do we know about those people? And so. We kind of tried to work around, okay, what's a North Star metric? Is it the number of session, or is it the length of the thing? Is it like how many things they do within the onboarding? And so one of the KPI that we wanted was the length of the first session. And so we effectively did event tracking and tracking on the session. What's interesting about Deputy is a lot of people use our software online, but also a lot of people use the app because if you're an employee... You need to use the app for clock-in-clock clock out of your workplace. You know, you can ask for leave on your mobile. And so what we did is like, okay, so if they do a session on desktop, the average length of time of a first session user is seven minutes. And then on mobile, we'll calculate it that is four minutes. Slightly different iOS and Android, but on average it's four minutes.
0: Awesome. And so one of the things that I always find fascinating is just the drop-off rate. So you mentioned it was 60% of people who would sign up and never come back. I know in the other clients I've worked with, I've seen even worse. (laughs) So like it's pretty common for a lot of SaaS companies to lose anywhere from, in my experience, 40 to 60% is usually around the average amount of people you can lose in that first experience. So I'm really curious to dig in here. Like, how did you find that out and then start improving on that metric?
1: Yeah. So that metric is the metric at Van. At Deputy, it's a little bit better. It's kind of like 50-50. What we've done is to simply, you know, track session and see how many. What's difficult is, as I said, session across devices, right? Where it gets a little bit tricky is more around, okay some of the behavior tracking, if they've tried our software on a nap first, you know, do they then go back to the desktop to complete their setup? So we've kind of looked at different data points and really focused on that main KPI, right? Which is, well, length is seven minutes and we know that the drop-off is really, really, really high. What do they do, right? And so that's where you have the data, but you don't know the why. So what we've done is use full story so we use Full Story quite a lot where we start recording and watch you know, people going through our onboarding and then what happened to them. What's interesting as well at Deputy is that there's actually two phases for us. The first one is what we call a sign-up, which is you're on our website and you put your name and your email address. That's a sign-up. So if we have a successful sign-up and then the onboarding start pre-getting into the product where you then being asked more question about your business, you know what industry you are and everything so we set up your trial and then you get into the trial, right? So we've got sign up, onboarding, trial and onboarding again. So it starts very early and the reason for that is like between sign up and trial there is a small drop off, about 15%, which is very very low, but the reason for that step is we are collecting all of the information that we need for you know, tailoring their trial experience you know, with industry and size and location, or for passing that on to sell in terms of what account they are most interested in. And the reason I'm mentioning that is one of the successful experiments we've done this year was to change the sign-up flow on mobile, where the screen that you see in that first onboarding changed. And I kid you not, overnight, we generated an extra 1,000 trial a month. Just like that. The problem is, not all trial were quality. There's a few things like that, right? But that was massive, you know, like that was like, wow, like just like that. So that was pretty cool. Uh, but it goes to show that that piece is also really key, you know, even before they get into that first product experience, you know, like that pre onboarding. Awesome.
0: And so initially, when you're looking at the onboarding experience, you're like, you know what? This looks a little shit. It could be improved. And how can we focus more on this? And so one of the things that I find a lot of companies struggle with is... Maybe it's someone on the marketing team or someone on the growth team. They start to pick up on, you know, this experience could be better. We focus a lot in marketing, on commercial optimization, having a specific landing page, for instance, for a specific ad campaign. Like we wanna get as granular as possible. Because we all know the more personalized, the more uh, customized experience is for someone, the better it will convert. And so when we just see this one size fits all in the onboarding, a lot of us growth folks cringe. And so how did you start to get people involved and focused on improving this experience?
1: Yeah, so I guess the, not the luck, but more the, the situation that we've created at Deputy is that there's a team looking after it. And so that team, you have your classic PM, your front end engineer, your backing engineer, your UX designer, as well as your mobile engineer. And so we have the muscle and the brain to be able to say, well, you know, what experiment do we need to run in what space? And they usually start around what are the obvious level of growth? You know, where do people drop off the most? Or have we found any particular behavior? that correlate with the likelihood to buy. So I've worked with Matt Kudu in a couple of companies when we start looking at like, okay, can we build a model that analyze what people do in that first seven minutes and tell us if you know, there's anything that we need to change to encourage more of that behavior. The problem is sometimes it's quite self-prophecy in a way that the way you build that onboarding experience means that that's what they're going to do. Therefore, you're not learning anything particularly new or insightful around. Well, if I change this, would that increase my conversion rate? Yes or no. So it was more based on the principle of growth, which is remove friction. So I've done uh, a bit of, uh, <laughs> a bit of like online marketing for e-commerce store before, and a lot of success that I've met there was by removing friction. You know, friction to try, friction to get that value. You know, the path to value needs to be really, really smooth. So for us at Deputy, was trying to understand: okay, if the audience is, you know, businesses in hospitality or retail, they have five to ten stores, fifty to a hundred employees, right? What type of solution do they need? What are they looking at? And then basically trying to understand what are the conditions by which they could experience what are they looking for. What's extremely difficult at Deputy, which was the same at Venn and a little bit at Zero, is that. Businesses of that size, they run their business in their very own way. Right? If you're a retailer, the workflow that you have in your business space is very specific to you because you might not be tech-savvy, you might get advice from people you're using some type of software. And it's quite interesting because then your expectation of what a product should do is going to be very different from the business next door who's running in a different way. You know, The way they do clock in, clock out, the way they do timesheets... They might use pen and paper. They might use Excel. It's all very, very different. And so you can't give them, like as you said, that one size feed hole in a way. But what you can do is understand, as I said, what's the condition? What's the path to value? For us, we need three things in order for us to kind of show you the value that you would get if you were to set it up right away. Not fully, but just to get the base. So if we get an area, some employees and an idea of uh, where and when they're going to work, then we can auto-create schedule for them, right? So what we've done now, the latest experiments we shipped was the demo data. So if you say you're a retailer gets pre-populated, we can see schedule, you can see your employees, you can see how it's going to flow. Does that answer your question?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's always interesting for a lot of people as soon as they are getting into the weeds of their onboarding, but for some marketer or growth-oriented person, what would you recommend for getting their hands dirty whenever it comes to improving their onboarding? Because I know for a lot of people listening, they're going to be you know familiar with marketing, but they don't really know too much about the product experience and how to really work with maybe it's the development team or the product folks. And so if you're in growth or marketing, you see this as a big opportunity in your business, what do you do?
1: Yeah. Well, first, I'll just write an equation. And the equation is you need economics of your business, you know, and, and it starts with generating the leads, right, and trying to convert them. But that piece where you lose so many people just kills you. You know, if half of the people don't come back, you've just spent double. Do you know what I mean? Like right away, you know, is that that pure and simple? So you start like that because that's the business case for we need some people, to be dedicated and they can come from product. They might not have a gross team or, but you need product and engineering leadership to agree and back up the idea that it makes sense from a business standpoint to optimize that particular unit economic. And then, yeah, and then you don't have to have a full squad of 10 people to do that. What you need is the mindset of what experiment can we run? How can we have an impact? You know, what are the things that we could do? And then you need one or two engineer and a designer, and here you go, you know, and the person that does growth in this company or whatever can do the PM, can do the documenting, the vision and all of that. But you need a very, very small thing. It's more, it needs to be dedicated and it needs to be free to try and experiment what they want to do. And they need to have the data capability to do, you know, basically the tracking as well as the reporting.
0: I'm going to change gears a little bit and ask you about, you know, you talked about experiments that you did that worked really well, uh, removing friction. Were there any experiments that your team ran where like, oh, no, that's not something we expected or it didn't work out as
1: well as you? Yeah, many of them. One of them was, you know, as I said, there's a lot of cross-device at Deputy, right? And one of the things is the conversion rate from trial to paid on mobile is really, really low. Compared to the one on desktop, and obviously you know as I said, I talked about the audience right if you're a retailer, if you you know are in hospitality or healthcare, you know that kind of explain uh, a little bit of that behavior. but what we wanted to do is to say, well, if you first discovered deputy on mobile and we know you're not going to convert on mobile, can we send you to desktop right? Can we find different ways in product, by email, through different mechanisms to try to get you into the desktop. So on mobile, we start doing like notification, banners, you know, different thing in the onboarding experience to be like, hey, you know, get the full deputy experience on desktop It's going to blow your mind, you know, and we'd be like, yeah, that sounds really clever, you know, and he did nothing, absolutely nothing. People hated it first, you know, basically all of them were just like removing the banners uh, and then none of them really went to desktop, you know, so we try to engineer behavior that wouldn't happen anywhere. So that was definitely, you know, kind of a failure. We've done, I mean, yeah, it has been, yeah, not catastrophic failure, really, except when like, you know, sign up on onboarding doesn't work because we introduced the bug, but that's a different kind of story. But yeah, I think the failure would be more, you don't get the result that you want. You know, you've done, you know, a couple of things, for example, on mobile, you know, it takes time for us to set up your trial. And so that loading experience before was just a really, really old thing. And so we've used that time that can be up to 25 seconds in some instances, you know, uh, even on desktop as well to say, what value can we bring right here, right there? So we try doing things like little tiles that educate you on what you can do with the product, what are the benefits. There's an option to, hey, you are too busy to set it up. We can do it for you. You know, contact us, send us your stuff and we'll set up the trial for you. Stuff like that. Does that answer the question?
0: Yeah, it does. Actually, which I had another follow-up about that where you're almost like introducing customer success there, like a human element into the onboarding. Did that help? And I know we saw other companies work like that.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. So... The human element is interesting because in an ideal world, you want to do product-led growth, right? Which is, it just works, right? People come in, they look at your website, they get the value prop, they just sign up, they're on board, they really like it, they've done the discovery, and then boom, they want to set it up. They don't even talk to you, you know? That's like the dream, you know? This is the beauty thing. The problem, as I said, in, in those audiences that I talk about, once again, is their workflow is quite different. And when you get to a certain size... It gets quite tricky. And in that particular audience, ecosystem is quite key. And when I talk about ecosystem, is at your heart, you probably have accounting, right? Either your zero or your into QuickBooks, you know, in the US. And then you'll have your point of sale software if you're in retail or if you have a store, and then you'll have your deputy, your employee management system, and then you'll have your HR platform and your payroll and all of those things. And and that needs to be you know, as soon as an ecosystem like that, that creates friction and complexity because it's really hard to, you know, self fumble someone that wants to do an integration, right? Because to make that magic is possible, but it's very difficult, right? So the human element comes from us saying, well, what we have experimented with is that if someone book a demo with us and talk to a salesperson, 63% of those people will convert. Right, which is really, really high. right? <laughs> so that was one element. So what we've done as the growth team as part of that onboarding is try to figure out are there any moment in that onboarding phase when we detect that someone is a good opportunity and that's what Matt MatKudu has helped us to do. And if so, can we ask them if they want to do a demo? And then we give a demo length based on the quality of that particular trial so, you know, if the quality is low, it's 15 minutes. If the quality is high, it's 45 minutes or half an hour. That's another way that we've done the human element. The CX piece, and that's common in most SaaS companies, is that you want to give that support. So when they discover the app, you kind of answer the question. They understand it better and all of that. The problem is that it has a cost. And by targeting for us, hospitality and retail, you also get a lot of small businesses. Right, businesses with just a few employees, they're looking for a small use case and they're going to need a lot of help. And you want to help them, but it doesn't make any sense from a business standpoint, you know? Human element, I still believe in our type of SaaS, is very critical. It's still very important. It has a place with obviously product led growth first, but it has a place and it does work.
0: And I mean, for a lot of companies, this thing, they're going to. Totally agree with you. Like the ideal product like growth, people just sign up, start buying on their own. No humans (laughs) need it. (laughs) We all celebrate. But then it's also a big question of when? When should we have that human element? When does it make the most sense to add these people into the process and really ask ourselves, like, are these people adding friction or are they adding value in this whole process? So how do you go about deciding, like, when should we have
1: people in our onboarding process? Yeah, it's a very good question. So at the moment, the way we currently do it is we do provide wide support, meaning that we do accept that if someone wants to talk to us, they should be able to talk to us. Not only that, but we actually go to them from a sales point of view and ask if they need help right through email sequencing and contact and so we are quite aggressive with regard to you know how do we want to convert those opportunities and how and the reason for that is when you're in growth, you have to be hungry you can't just be too passive and even us you know we like an inbound company so we get a lot of trial and all of that we're not even going hunting yet which is this year <laughs> but when you do that when you go aggressive on inbound and then you've got enough Human people to cover the amount of demand that you generate, then you tend to get like a blanket approach where everyone get an opportunity to talk to a human person, as I said, from a product standpoint, what the gross team has done is to use lead scoring to then only offer demo based on the lead score as well as the length of the demo based on you know how good do do you think uh, do we think you are as a trialist you know but As we grow and as we do what needs to happen is you need to do a segmentation piece, which is to understand who is your audience, who truly is your audience that you're after. Because for us at Deputy, you know, there's businesses in 150 countries of any size in more than 40 industries that are using Deputy for many, many things, you know. So if you don't know which one bring you the most money, which one have the best product market fit, which one make the most of sense from a strategy point of view, then you can't be aggressive. But that's kind of what we're doing. So it's the concept of like that particular target audience is a target audience and we need to go after them. And so that's where the human element becomes more at what stage do you identify that they are the one that you want to target? And when you do, what do you do about it? So for example, for us, Let's say that the tiger segment is emerging retail in New York impacted by the fair work week laws, right? I'm not sure if you're familiar with those laws uh, in the US with fair work week, but it's effectively laws to protect shift workers, you know, employees who worked by the hour and businesses have to comply and a lot of them don't, you know, because they don't have system to... Record what the employee do, when they take a break, you know, when do they close, when do they clock in and all of those things, it's all pen and paper. So I guess on that note too, I have two follow up questions. So the
0: first one is just the common thread for onboarding It's really just you have to understand your audience, which that's really just like segmentation at its core. And when you think of onboarding, it's like when you start the experience. You want to like select the box that's most applicable to you so that you can learn that part of the product or something else if you have a multi-product product. So, how do you really approach segmentation?
1: Well, we've done since I've joined deputy 17 months ago, we've done two segmentation pieces, you know. And actually OpenView helped us for quite a bit. And so what you need to go through basically your numbers, right? You need to understand from a financial point of view. First of all, it's like, do you have the data on who they are, what industry they are? And usually industry data is, is not clean at all. You need to really clean it out to be able to get the insight, right? So you look at your data, the financial, the industry, the sizing, and then you look at like what makes sense from a unique economic point of view. It's like, okay, so usually... Businesses in retail have, you know, 49 employees on average or 49 seats on average. Their conversion rate from trial to pay is 15%. In particular location, right? So for us, is US, UK, and Australia our primary markets? And so yeah, you you look at the data that you have, and then you look from a financial point of view, does it make sense? You know, because ultimately it's about revenue. You know, if they For example, we serve larger companies, like we have companies with 40,000 employees on Deputy, which sounds awesome and which it is, you know, like the McDonald's is using us in New York, you know, for example, you know, Amazon, Nike, you know, like all of these companies are using Deputy for a lot of the stuff. But the problem with that is it costs a lot to serve because they have very high expectation and the way they use our product, even our enterprise product, kind of stretch out a lot. And as I said before, there's a lot of things about integration that are complicated. So you end up basically reducing your gross margin because suddenly you're doing all of that work. You hire all of those people to do all of the setup and custom implementation. And it's great and it's a great logo on your website, but you're making no money on the deal, you know?
0: Yeah, and I guess there's a extension of that. So segmentation, when you do get that down, it allows you to have a lot more clarity about who you should go after because not all logos were created equal. (laughs) No, Most people could agree with that. Some deals you close and maybe it's for brand or something like that, or it doesn't make sense at all. So how have you really built a lead scoring model over the years that has been able to help you find and identify the people
1: who you should go after yeah. Before answering that question on, on kind of like the segmentation piece, a key things as well outside of like the size and the industry and the location is that the product market fit, you know, and that's really key is like that's something that I haven't seen in many SaaS companies is to really look at your product and say, where does that really fit? Like where is there a smooth process happening where someone will naturally come in be attracted by the value prop, use the software, understand it quickly, and then decide that there's you know value to pay for it you know because the more industry you target, the more people you target and the more edge use case you're going to get and at some stage, either you build a Frankenstein or you make a call on what' your vision and who do you go after you know I think that's quite key so now to answer the, the lead scoring thing so. The first time that I used lead scoring at the it was very interesting. The, the use case was like we were generating so many leads that the sales team couldn't cope. They had like 400 leads each a month. And so in order for us to be a feature, we implemented a system that shows one is the customer fit. So they look at effectively filmographic information, demographic information, and basically say, based on the people that bought from you before, you know do you look similar yes or no as a company and then we build another model which is a likelihood to buy based on the behavior that you have in the app are you likely to buy right and then we did a ratio that sort of combined those things and say okay well are you you know how good are you as a lead for us effectively and so that worked really well at vans and then a deputy it was a bit different. The setup was more around: can we quickly identify the one that have a lot of value, and then do the human element that we talk about, right? Like pushing more demos and do more one-on-ones, and you know, and for the rest, we'll do more like one-to-many or like full product-led growth. You know, there's no no friction, and then everything happens. Okay,
0: perfect. And so, one of the things that I really learned about today is just whenever it comes to onboarding, it's really important to segment and really understand who you should be helping. Because I think it's so easy for a lot of people to create these onboarding experiences and not actually think about who are we really helping here? Is it going to be that business that's going to be a terrible fit for your business? You don't optimize for that kind of person. Optimize for the one who is really, it's tied to revenue at the end of the day. Who are those people who are your best fit customers, who have been around a long time, who have high retention scores and are happy and willing to pay you and really just optimize that onboarding experience for those people. And so I wanted to really just thank you for taking the time to go through this whole process for your onboarding experience. And I guess on the last question of the day, how... Have you helped get more people to an aha moment in the first seven minutes?
1: So, as I said, what we try to understand is like for those audiences, what are they trying to achieve? And when I talk about it, it's funny. One of the aha moment I had myself, you know, a long time ago at Van is I was on holiday and I visited a Van customer, and they're a fashion retailer in Wellington. And so I, I went upstairs, you know, boutique, she has three boutique, and. When I said, hey, you know, I saw because I found them randomly on Salesforce, you know, I was like, hey, I'm gonna find those, I'm gonna visit those people. And she had a little booklet, like of a few pages, and in that booklet, she had a full checklist of her business flow and how would that fit with a point of sales software that she was looking for. Right. And she had it all cut it out like beautifully by area that needs to do this. And this is how and everything. And I looked at that and I was like, can I get a copy of this? This is amazing. You know, this is how the really good buyer will think. And if we can help you tick a lot of this box, you will buy. Right. It doesn't have to tick all of the boxes, but there's a few of them. So I asked her, what is the most important to you? You know, what are the things that you could tick in that list that will make you feel like? Oh, my God! you know I get it! This is how i 'm going to use it you know because what 's quite difficult for companies like for SaAS Company is that what you have in mind of the value and everything often doesn 't materialize because the person that is trying it out is only giving you seven minutes of their life and most of the time they will miss it, and it 's such a missed opportunity you know so at deputy, what we 've done is to say well we 've analyzed with Matt Kudu. What action and what behavior correlates with conversion rate, our data team has done it internally as well. We notice certain key events or action. For example, at Deputy pushing your first payroll is really likely if you do this that you will buy. It's a little bit of self-prophecy because it does mean that you've plugged in your payroll provider. But if you do that, you will convert. So what we did is more, well, in the first seven minutes, we know that. They're going to try to add a few employees. They're going to try to look at how do we handle scheduling? You know, what does the schedule look like for your employees? They're going to look at what happened with like clocking clock out. How would my employees, you know, coming in the morning, you know, and then that's when we introduced like apps and you know, all of this stuff. And then so for us, it was like, well, if we've analyzed the data and they show that they're all trying to do similar things, can we do that for them? Right. So that's where the demo data comes in, where we say, well, if in the pre onboarding you've selected that you, uh, you know, your restaurant owner, then the trial that you're going to get has employee that are like, you know, staff member, like a chef, you know, and stuff like that. So you'll have the full setup. The schedule will already there. So you can see day by day what's going to happen. So you just play around more, you know, set up you're discovering. And that's the key thing that I've learned in my 11 years is that there's two phases in a trial. There's a discovery and there's a setup. The discovery is more, can the software do what I want it to do based on my need? You know, can we solve my problem? And then the setup is more, hey, I want to start using that thing. Right? Some buyer do both together. Some buyer do one, never do the other. But it's quite interesting to have that. So what we try to do is to say, well, we don't want you to set up. We want you to discover now. And so by pre-populating a lot of that with relevant information, you can see and play with something that is there. Another thing that we have experimented, but not to the fullest extent, as I said, is we have a team that can actually do it manually. And so the dream and the vision that I have at Deputy is that because we have team across SEO, um, the growth team has SEO, website, CRO, and the sort of onboarding piece is that if someone search for a keyword, land on our website. We know a lot of them already. They look at it, download an ebook, whatever. We personalize the experience on the website. When they sign up, we know all of their stuff about them, right? About their stuff. So let's fully personalize that experience all the way to when they buy, because we also look after the checkout page, right? But that's the full journey. That's the dream, you know. That's the dream. Yes. <laughs> That was really cool. I loved that last part. I wrote it down
0: because it was so important. Just the understanding of the two different phases of onboarding. There's the setup phase and the discovery phase. And you're totally right that there's going to be some people who are willing to do both of those phases at the same time. But there's so many examples of products where all you can do in that first onboarding experience is just set up. Like I think of, you mentioned like Full Story, there's Hotjar, there's Drift, Intercom, you name it. There's so many of these products that rely on just you uploading a JavaScript to your website or something like that. And like the whole onboarding experience is just setting it up. And so I like that distinction because it is so true. You have to get people set up before they can really discover and see a lot more of that value. So thank you for sharing that golden nugget.
1: (laughs) That's so good, man. I mean, I'm very glad that I can share some of that experience. Awesome. And so
0: where can people
1: find out more about you and some of the work you're doing? LinkedIn. LinkedIn is probably the best place, you know, sort of, yeah, 12 years ago when I moved to New Zealand, you know, I was a student and a young French guy in a foreign country. And as a good immigrant, I realized that if I want to stay, I need to build a network. So I've been starting investing a lot in LinkedIn, you know, I think people one by one when I meet them and all of that. And I've grown that quite significantly not in terms of number of people or whatever but just mm-hmm. in terms of the quality of the people that I met and the opportunity that has given me you know I think that's something I will say hey not everything in life is a gross hack at least not a quick one you know some gross hack take 10 years you know you need to <laughs> think about like uh, the full spectrum you know get some quick wins but don't forget about the long run so, but yeah LinkedIn to answer your question add me on LinkedIn talk to me uh, if I can help you I will as you can hear, I've got a 10 month old baby boy uh, who's really a cutie, but it also takes some of my time and family is really important. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Francois. Really appreciate it.
1: No, that's all good. Again, you know, if I can answer questions from anyone online, just have me on LinkedIn, contact me. It'd be great. Thanks very much, guys.